What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCollum, also known as BMXC, and this is Nice Minds. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is Kyle Rucker. He's with Ruckby Music, and I know him in a very interesting way. So, actually, if it weren't for Prince, we wouldn't we wouldn't have we wouldn't have met because I actually uh, Prince died on my thirty first birthday, and so that was you know heavy thing especially in the music industry and a year after prince died you know i i traditionally do birthday shows like i'll just throw a show and either, you know i'll perform i'll have other people f- perform and stuff like that so in 2017 i wanted to do my birthday show a little bit different and we threw this show i was like i feel funny doing my birthday show on the day of prince's death uh, when you know everybody's gonna be mourning him, it's a year later. Let's give away all of the money that we make to some sort of charity. Right. And so we, you know, we we were like, well, what what would Prince give to? You know, what would he donate to? So we literally Googled. I, I want to say like like Minneapolis music education. So because we we knew that that Prince was big on education, we knew that Prince was you know, obviously musicians. So we found you, uh, which was Project uh, Footsteps, which you yeah. was a foundation you started. Yeah. And we ended up doing the show. I was thinking, I'm like, should we hit them up before, you know, before we give them the money? Should we just drop it on them? And I was like, yeah. let's just, let's just surprise and just, just send the money. We didn't expect, I think we ended up with like $600 that night. Right. And yeah. yeah, we didn't even like make an introduction or whatever. We just, send it over over paypal yeah. and yeah. uh you would you hit me up uh like with an email i want to say like the next or maybe that day or something like that and you were just like wow thank you and then we just sparked up yeah. a friendship from there um yeah, man. so yeah it's crazy uh so yeah give us a little background like how'd you get into music uh i know you're from chicago right yeah well i mean music got into me I always say to people, it's uh, in the DNA. I can't escape it. I'm I'm obviously black. I I'm an American descendant of slaves. Music is so much to us culturally. So my grandmother instilled music into us more as a communication tool. I could sit in a room with her and hum and him and improvise and come up with stuff. And, but it was how we talked. And so it's really a language. I think I've just been privileged to have the interest in studying it. And so in terms of, you know, music in the beginning, it's just always been a part of my life. I think I was 12 or 11 or so when I really started figuring out the piano. And that was kind of the end for me. That was the beginning of the end, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, you I say end because you go from being someone that doesn't create and then you go to being someone that does and yep. you kind of end that old person. They're gone forever. Yep. And so it's a birth kind of. So I was sort of born, I think, around that age but it's been in me my whole life and the great thing is that music allows me to do so much for the community yeah 
I, I, I'm, I'm so, I guess, lucky, I hate using that word, but I'm so, I guess I'm blessed and privileged to have the ability to do things. Providing access to kids in anything means a lot to me because it's what I had. It was like Mr. Robinson was the, the choir teacher and he would let me, he would, I could sneak around and touch the piano every now and again. He could have not done that. And I wouldn't be the same person today. He could have been an ass wipe and been like, oh, you know, no, or go to class. But he, he'd he be like, oh, here's a D major seven. I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know? yep. so, so you, you, so it's, you just never know. I think sometimes we, we structure help. I love the story of you all just reaching out because it was like, it's unstructured support. Yep. which is really the most meaningful stuff. I think people that try to save people, you get into a really interesting fight with God because that's what God's supposed to do. <laughs> but, right. but, but what you're talking about is like, we want to help. This is important to someone that inspired me. You talk about the connection to Prince. Like that's why a, a, a guy like Prince would talk about music and education so that a guy like you one day would, would be in a position to say, Oh, I want to help someone that's doing that. Right. And that's how it's supposed to go. So I, I, I haven't really actually thought about how we met in a while, but it's when you said that it's like, wow, that's really, it's such an organic start and footsteps you know, among many things uh, I've been a part of creating for young people was just that. It's not just music, but creativity ultimately and understanding that between the age of about eight and 14, you're at your most creative place uh, as a human. You don't have the same rules yep. in your brain developed yet. The boundaries aren't there yet. Mm -hmm. And so you study a guy like Prince and he, you know, he'll tell you a lot of those songs were written at a very young age. They just were then produced once the skills came along. Yep. But in terms of thought about and created, uh, those are wildest dreams, which shows up in his music. Of course, no boundaries, pays no attention to rules. You're not supposed to do that kind of scale right now, but he did it anyway. Uh, you know, so it, it all connects, but I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and uh, you get something back too. helping young people for me keeps me young. Did you come up to Minnesota to do Project Footsteps or how did you end up in Minnesota and doing that? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a long story. I was just one of those kids that didn't have much. I actually came to Minnesota as a homeless kid. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I don't, I try not to talk. I mean, I had shared with you on this thing because I think it would be helpful for people, but I came here under some really unfortunate circumstances mm -hmm. and was just very blessed to have music ability, which got me into so much. I did a year at Arlington and St. Paul, so I kind of missed my whole sophomore, junior year, half of junior year because I was just, you know, figuring life out and obviously creating in that time too. That's all I had really. And so once I got into school, high school, I put my my eyes onto college. I had a conversation with a jazz, my jazz band coach or whatever it was at the time. And he's just like, yeah, you're, you got something. And I didn't know what that was. And he's like, you should probably 
going to school and I was so intimidated because I come from a non-reading music background. I come from soul, feel, just what we do. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no explanation. And so I was so intimidated to go to college because I was studying world music. And because I was like, oh, all these people will be, you know, this and that and that. And I remember getting there and you find some of the most proficient musicians. I mean, people that can really play, players. Um, but they couldn't come up with anything. That's when I found out my value. They could put something in front of them, they'd play the hell out of it. But if you took it away from them and say, let's just come up with something out of thin air, I did not have the same constraints in my mind. And so it became my biggest value is to be able to just sit down and create something um, mm -hmm. out of thin air. And, and once I figured out how valuable that is, so that's kind of how I got to Minnesota. I went to the U of M and studied music. And that was, that was a waste of time. Um, I actually tell a lot of young people nowadays, particularly like, just, just study the notes. Especially if you got 12 of them. There's not that many. Just, just yep. get to know every one of them. And the rest will unlock itself. And then creativity for me translates. You know, that's the thing of like, I think Quincy Jones is probably one of my, I, I don't idolize him, but I study him. Yep. And culturally for me, he's just one of the, one of our elders that has paved such a way and left so many little crumbs of knowledge behind. It'd be foolish not to look at them. And, you know, being a creative is beyond being a musician. Quincy Jones is a trumpet player at, at nature, yep. but he also created the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right. You know, so it's like, it's like the muscle of creativity, I think is what I was able to start massaging early. For me being young and coming to Minnesota under such circumstances and coming from Chicago, which was predominantly black community, all yeah. black, to Minnesota, which we're at 13% here, um, was really interesting. Now, then come, come along an obsessive work ethic, which is, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, I've noticed <laughs> that about you, yep. I learned that early too. I've actually... In high school, my the last year of high school, uh, Rayford Johnson, I'll, W. Rayford Johnson was the jazz band director. And this guy was like, he had a part in his head. He looked like Thelonious Monk's like teacher. He was like this really jazzy dude, but like super clear. And he would always tell me like, we used to do like, he set up events for us. So we travel around as seniors and play at like Festival of Nations, all these things. Great experience. And, and he would always say to me, like, because I want to do all this stuff. Like, I really want to show off how fast my fingers are. Like, that's what I work on when I was young. Like, look at it. Look, 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 look. And yep. he'd always be like, dude, you know, you have to let it come to you. You're trying to grab it. You need to let your hand be a vessel, not chase it, you know, which translated into so many parts of my life, like dating uh, writing a song, I mean, going after a business deal. It's like that one lesson. And so like, I always tell people who are into music, what you have that a lot of 
people don't have is a really good metaphorical bank to deal with. Everything in music is life. Everything in creating is a reflection of life. No life, no creating. No creating, no life. They sort of yin-yang. And so it's like once you realize that they're kind of connected in all areas, you know, I think you can then do it for a living. Yeah. Before then, you know, it's, you have to kind of commit to the whole thing. And I think, you know, for me, I, I, when I was younger, I had to play really to survive, you know, like playing was like, that got me this opportunity or this thing or closer to my goal. And so everyone does it for different reasons. And so, but um, being a creative is beyond the notes. That's just where it starts for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm kind of lucky to have, um the interests but yeah but coming to minnesota that was a traumatic event obviously music was my girlfriend through that yep obviously i don't come from the same background as you but i have Mm -hmm. that um that relating in the sense that i came to minnesota from california when i was a kid and Um, you know, I'm from the hood in California. I mean, like I'm from, you know, a very diverse area and stuff like that. And I moved to the suburbs, you know, of Minneapolis, you know, I'm immediately like, I remember walking into my third grade class in Minnesota and everybody just stopping and looking at me like I was this, like, just weirdo. And it, it was, it immediately just like shaped every, every interaction I think I've had in Minnesota since has been mm-hmm. shaped from that, you know, and knowing that, like, mm-hmm. I was different and stuff like that. And I think that has actually, you know, now that I really think about it, it's actually been a positive um, because it just allowed me to, you know, knowing that I was different um, gave me that opportunity to do all the things that I've done, I think, with music and okay. all that stuff. It's, it's led into so many different things and um, hanging out with, like, the the music kids or, like, the, the nerds in school and stuff like that because I wasn't one of the cool kids and stuff like that. That, you know, really just shaped who I am today. So I relate in that aspect of coming to, a you know, a place like Minnesota where, you know, it's a, it's a completely different culture. I'll tell you what, I think coming to Minnesota probably was my biggest advantage because competition here is nil. Uh, in Chicago, there's a lot of players. That's something I miss about Chicago. It's like I remember being young and you play for somebody and they say, that's whack. <laughs> Straight up. Minnesota's much different. Chicago, someone tell you, like, that shit yep. sounds old. It's trash, yeah. <laughs> and, and you, and as a kid, like, I would be at, I, I'd be back a day later and I'd be playing. And I, I, then I'd be looking for them to say, okay, that's better. There is something different these days. I'm obviously in artist management as well and artist development as well. And so I tell you, it is a different beast dealing with artist growth and then people understanding what it takes because it's all connected being a being a creative goes back to day one like you talk about you know third grade i I mean like that gave me goosebumps a little bit because it's like that's where it begins yep it is like it there's like a line 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 going everything then something happens it changes trajectory 
And that is when the creative is born. They either take that bump in life and it knocks them the hell out and the creative is murdered all in the same moment. Yep. Or the creative has a way of they like get hit by it and they ride with it. And then the creative is born. So then the railroad tracks are gone in your head. So if you, like you said, so I started approaching everything sort of from this deficit, which is what creatives do. Like, so when I meet, when I was 16 or 17, I meet someone, I didn't have a home, right? You were dealing with people that talk shit and were treating you like shit. It's right. a real thing. That's a real thing. And, and so like when I meet someone, I always knew that I had this thing, this like monkey on my back, you know? And yep. so it gave me an extra edge that they didn't know all the time. And, and people will be wondering about, like I'll send a song to an artist and she'll be like, God, where'd that come from? And I'm just like, well, I don't know. I just come up with stuff. You know, I don't need to go into this is, that's what you listen to is the way I felt when I was 17 yep. looking at a family eat <clears throat> Christmas dinner at a Chinese restaurant through a window. Like you don't know how tough that is. Maybe you do and you never know, but like, that's the beauty in it is like, it's about allowing. I had that guy tell me like, dude, you're chasing it. You're chasing these. Cause you know, I'm doing all this stuff. Cause I want to, I want to see people's reactions. Like, honestly, I look at people and be like, and I try yeah. to make their whole body move with my fingers. And he, he'd be like, that's not how you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to like exhaust yourself. Like it's, it's more about understanding what this is all about. Big picture. Yeah. And as soon as I got that message and he said it to me, unplanned, unattended. I don't even think he knows that it's it, it's like my north star <laughs> you know like right. he, he has no clue so that's the beauty of being a creative he was creative in that moment i was a, a stubborn kid i thought i was ray charles already right and uh you couldn't tell me shit because i put in 10 hours a day and, da, 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 and and so he had to creatively deal with me and the way that he metaphorically gave that to me it worked and it was how he wrote that lyric. You know what I mean? It was how he sort of uh, went about doing that. So anyway, it's all connected. I love these conversations because I don't often get a chance to slow down and think about what the hell it is that I'm doing. Same. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, like when because I. I and almost every single conversation that I've had uh, by doing this, I learned something about myself. Like I didn't really realize exactly. until you know until I told you that story of me moving from um, California to Minnesota how much that really did shape my creative um, journey, you know, and right. and with just me being like a, a, an outcast, and I never really thought about that. And so these experiences uh, that I've had with this have, have allowed me to kind of learn that about myself and um, and have these different conversations with people about that stuff so how did you end up uh starting project footsteps then well that was rebellion project footsteps was rebellion that was that was saying we don't value a certain period of time that a young brain is yeah. for example 
when you're if you are like sweet potatoes need to be picked before they grow all the way otherwise they taste funny same thing with zucchinis that so you got to kind of grab them before they just get way too big then they lose mm-hmm. so uh, young people are the same way and i would look at the world's issues and then i would look at a generation that has least the least amount of constraints to think outside the box and I would I would wonder why the world's issues and that group of people were never in the same room and and so that's what we started to do obviously with a music platform and and that kind of ability we were able to get the movement going fast uh it actually started as project Legos which was leadership empowerment, growth, opportunity, sustainability. And then we had the best luck of all time. I got sued by the Lego company. Wow. We had a, they actually a went after you? Oh, dude, I was sitting at my office. Damn. I was sitting at my office with uh, a guy named Mike Jackson, who's just one of the most brilliant people ever. And we were... Uh, you know, sitting there talking about what we're doing, da, 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 da. and in comes the, whatever FedEx, and they're like, "Oh, you got to sign for this." I'm like, "Oh, cool! It must be something really special, right?" And, and you open it up. I mean, we're like, I'm like 21 at this time, or 20 or so, really young. And I open it up. Uh, mind you, all I do at my time at this point is we throw keg parties. And inter- artist interactions, like, because we're I'm in college, I'm at the U of M at this point, and we yeah. have uh, benefit shows at the Varsity and Seventh Street Room to benefit for Footsteps, and so that's all we're doing, and we're we're using the funds to go and pay facilitators to go out and literally what we call fuck shit up, like go and tell kids how much their principal is making for a salary like your school is horrible it treats you like shit you need to know that these people are getting paid 120k to do this and you're paying so like that's like the big secret we keep away from our kids is how shit really works they don't know how to really address a district like minneapolis public school st paul schools these districts are fail certain groups of kids like it's their job but those kids don't know the apparatus. They don't know how the budget works. They don't know the school board. They don't know who to hold accountable. And so they just ride through it. And so we were very rebellious. We didn't make a lot of people happy. Uh, Let me tell you that the idea was, the idea was to create really armies within institutions. So we'd go into a district and we would really get students talking about information that we thought they should be privy to. We would go into certain towns. We would go to a homeless shelter and and help the students understand that like the budget, this homeless shelter brings in 3 million bucks a year. 75% of that budget is going to staff. Question mark. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> you know, that's so, insane. so and that happens under this nonprofit, do good, blue, uh, illusion, but really it's just like money-making shams, and the community suffers, and so that's where it began, and we, you know, one of our mission statement elements was we don't want to be around forever. 
to mm-hmm. go organize it. If you have a mission, if you're if you want to feed homeless kids for the rest of life, then shame on you. Um, like we at some point we gotta deal with this issue, which means we have to right. deal with ourselves. We have to deal with ourselves in the mirror. Every issue we have in humanity is people looking in the mirror and dealing with themselves Absolutely. at the root of it. Yep. Like literally, you can't point at any problem we have and put it past someone looking in the mirror and making a decision to be a better person. Yeah. That's how problems are solved. And so we figured that, you know, young folks could not only create that energy, but they also can create the solutions. And so we would then fundraise to help them actualize something. If there's a group of kids at a middle school in, you know, Mason City, Iowa, that there's seven kids in there who are being bullied to the point where they want to kill themselves. They've reported the staff aren't doing anything. Principals, it's just being stripped under the rug. They can call us. We can begin organizing with them. We can show up with a check in hand. We can get events going for them. We can get them press if they need it. I mean, that's what we became. It's the same thing we were doing for entertainers. So we right. just started taking the same abilities and doing it for groups of young people who needed representation and really management. <laughs> Ultimately, yep. we would come in and manage the situation and really get them in a position where they can win. And and um, we did that for oh, I think twelve years. Wow. And we got to we got to one hundred and thirty thousand students across the country were mobilized wow. in the movement. And once once the movement sort of took hold, there was no need anymore to have an organization. You know, that then it's like now now it's a part of what kids are doing. We don't have yeah. to get up and tell them this every day. I can go back to music. Other people can go back to what they're doing, you know. And so um, I can also say at that time in my life, I was looking for something more than what I was doing. I hadn't quite understood how to get the humanitarian piece out of music yet. And so I felt this need because of the energy and, you know, people stand me all the time. Oh God, you're so talented and such a brilliant, you know, entrepreneur. You can just, and so I was like, yeah, that doesn't matter if I can't help anybody. Right. And so I, I was kind of down on myself. I mean, it's it was a bit of, you, you think people who are accomplishing their goals are always happy on the back end. And ultimately, you know, at that time in my life, I was battling, you know, the gods of feeling good about yourself every day or not. Yep. And, and being around something just drove me toward supporting young people. And once I got into it, uh, what I got out of it in terms of relationships with them energy from them usefulness it just it just healed me and so i'm forever in debt to helping young generations like i i personally personally i am like i know that if i don't do it when i sit down to write a song for a client it's not gonna happen you know what i mean like i feel that sort of stress like i can't even explain it to you like i have nightmares about not being able to create yeah and part of that is like, am I doing as much as I can for the community around me? And if you do all those things, then it is a wonderful life being a creative. 
but it comes with that you cannot be a creative and not do at least half time for your community doesn't work you know i always artists that we have here and we manage that's one thing we get them into right away what are you how are you sharing this gift because if you share this gift and guess what you get more gift yeah and i also get more gift because you're helping me develop a young artist But, but but you know it that's how it works and but you know, I I also have some very harsh critiques of the, at least the music industry within the creative realm because I'm in so many lanes of it. Um, but I have some harsh critiques, and I I you know I'm more of I'll just try to fix it as opposed to criticize. Um, and so I'm working on some things now to to try to reclaim what hip hop can do for things like youth violence we're experiencing in the Twin Cities, which is up 530% between our black 14 wow. and 21 year olds, you know, just, you know, you know, the NBA young boy put out a song that pretty much says, you're not a man until you kill. Fuck all that fighting stuff. Like you got to kill now. That's so crazy. Kids are like, yeah. kids are, like, when I was 16, we just fought shit. People get right. up, walk away. Now, and you can't say to a kid now, like, don't fight. That's stupid. People fight. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't. But you, but you can, the value of life is different. And so, like, I don't know. I have a, I, there's a lot I can say about it. But I, in summary, like all things that I think my culture has used to advance, they just get hijacked. And, and derailed uh, our music has always been a way of communicating progress and strategy how to love each other how to forgive each other how two men can love each other yep. in harmony how to treat women how to treat community why knowledge is good uh, that's what we were getting fed from our entertainers and our artists up until about 1975. And then at that point, the business value of black music, the commercial side of it, you know, Barry Gordy did what he did with Motown to retain that while that our music commercial vultures were okay look at how much money this is making we need to put these artists in commercial which means once you go commercial nina simone james brown so on and so forth you can no longer make music that helps your people (laughs) you know that was a big thing with marvin gay right i mean like marvin gay there was a whole record that came out a couple years ago right that that his record company wouldn't let him put out because it was too political right well, they say political because that's their way of making right. It. All it was was messaging to us about yeah, how the, we should. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so it's so I have a very harsh critique of where we are 
you know, like music to me is like, and I don't, I mean, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. Music to me was given to me. I cannot explain to you why I can sit at the piano and come up with, I could turn around and play for you right now yep. and just write something. I cannot explain it. There is no explanation. I have found that it occurs more in folks that look like me than not, <laughs> you know, yep. and so it's given and it can be taken. And I have always tell my own people, um, because I could, I mean, it's there for consumption. Um, I love it when it's, when it's used and I take all kinds of elements, you know, I love Latin music, which you will find show up in a lot of things I produce. And, and, you know, I've had some Latin folks be like, dude, leave my shit alone. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's how we do, you know, seriously, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like seriously. And, and I've had to be like, yeah, you're right. And so I've had to, I've had to really, you know, as much as I safeguard that, I had to understand where that safeguard elsewhere. But I think for us, we've just lost, we've just lost it. Hip hop became a coalition. That was what, why it had to be dismantled and, uh, you know, sort of repiloted. It still exists, but it has a different pilot that's taken it somewhere else. And uh, because you got on board, if you didn't get on board, they wouldn't have gave a shit. <laughs> so, right. so because we had white kids all over the world listening to the lyrics, understanding that there's a layer in between reality and illusion, understanding what is really happening and they could have that shit, <laughs> you know? Right. So, so it, it became an operation. It's a CIA operation to bust up hip hop. Yep. Uh, uh, and I think people have to recognize that. I know it because I had to live through it. People that I studied music from lived through it. Uh, the guys in my neighborhood that were successful in hip hop lived through it. And so I just saw it and grew up seeing the, 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 receipt or the residue of how they busted it up and um so we haven't recovered at all and uh you know guys like prince and other folks michael jackson even talked about that how important it is for us to get back to owning our music absolutely and and owning it so that we can put it out without it having to go through a commercial filter i say that out of one side of my mouth Meanwhile, I commercially publish music. So right. it's, 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 it's an interesting battle, um, you know, but, but, you know, but yeah, when, when we had millions and it started as a 10,000 here, 25,000 in Chicago, uh, West Coast was where the hotbed was for people that weren't black hopping into hip hop strong. I mean, it became, a, it became it became a united voice that yeah. had so many different faces. That's too strong. They had to destroy that. I mean, you know, imagine. Right. <laughs> That's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't, nope, I don't want a kid sitting at my suburban dinner table asking me questions I don't want to confront. Yep. But that kid wants to confront them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. It's like, it. I know what people making hip hop was doing. They were trying to make sure that another generation of white men had knowledge. Right. 
because once you know, you know. Right. And you won't turn back to being unaware of the truth exactly. about that's that's the history. This is the stuff that I fight tooth and nail for districts like Minneapolis and St. Paul, even IPR, etc. Yep. to teach because it is so important that people understand these kinds of things. But hip hop is, you know, we're doing some things locally. I don't want to get into them now because I've got some non-disclosure sign, but it's a pretty big deal. Um, obviously, I'll let you know about it as it as it blossoms. But we're trying to to get that back, and we're trying to figure out locally how to use music to interrupt music and artist influence to interrupt uh, where what cliff our kids are standing at now, which is not a good one. And we have to play some music over here to get them to be like, wait a minute, let's go over here. <laughs> you know, yep. like, we don't have to. We don't have to do this anymore because it's it's terrible. But hip hop is responsible for music is responsible for that. Uh, yeah. And creatives are responsible for that. And so I, you know, I just budge in. This is my thing. Like the right. city of Minneapolis is working on youth violence. Fuck it. I budge into the room and say, you cannot work on youth violence if you're going to forget the number one cultural uh, vehicle of communication, which is music. You brought up an interesting point. That, um, I mean, I think that's why I was able to really grow up empathizing with the the black struggle. I mean, because I, obviously I didn't go through it. But, I mean, I, I listened to Tupac from the time I was 11. You know, I listened to... Snoop and Dre when they dropped, you know, when I was in California, when I was seven years old, you know, and, right. and obviously the um, the Rodney King, uh, you know, the L.A. riots, you know, I, I was there when that was going on. Right. And right. I was I was lucky enough to have a, a mother that would, you know, tell me about what was going on and like why it was happening and stuff like that. But I would right. really listen to, to these albums and I would I would start to really understand and and. I I just grew up not trusting police and you know I didn't really realize I guess how much it really really did shape me and help me understand the things that I understand now. I wasn't into Tupac's music. I I appreciate him as a one of the best vessels of communication we've ever had on this earth. A guy like that, I think what made him so, and what enamored people with him is that you can tell that he, at a very young age, embraced this, this invisible journey he knew he was on to bridge certain connections. And that is role. And to grasp your role and to live it in full purpose it's special. So beyond his music, listening to you say that, it's like that's that's ultimately what it's all about. I mean, yep. it is that you know you and I. I know that how much you love and appreciate hip hop beyond the surface. I mean, you're one of the few people that I would I would endorse as here's someone who appreciates hip hop beyond it the sexiness of it right like here is someone that whether they know all the history or not they have connected emotionally to that well 
and they drink that water. We've shared yeah. water from that same well, and that that's a special thing. And those wells don't exist much. We have to go back now and listen to stuff to remember what it was like to be right. different people, but standing at the same spot of water and drinking it together. And, you know, I've had many friends that aren't black that I've been able to sit down and talk about certain lyrics or this theme of a song or whatever. And we're drinking that water together. And, and we're both, it's, it's fixing different parts of both of us. Like I might be yep. thirsty for different reasons. He's thirsty for this. So like listening to you say that, that's, that's really great. We got to have these conversations more, not just you and I, but people in general, because it's, it's I agree. that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's Don. important. Like, it's important. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And especially with what you were talking about with uh, what you want to do with the youth. I mean, I, I think about, just you know, I think about my own journey with music, and you know how, how I had Tupac and people like that teaching me. But you're you're talking about uh, how you've worked with students, and you you know talked about systemic problems with them, and you know how the, how they understand uh, the inner workings of you know school districts and all that stuff. So, um, oh. and you know all the different problems that that um, they face, you know, financially and all that stuff. So. Yeah, man, I, th- I think it's it's very important uh, to have those conversations with young people and to um, yeah. expose young people to knowledge like that. Yeah. What other choice do we have? Right. What do you uh, see as rugby music uh, going forward? Like, what kind of struggles have you dealt with in 2020? Well, let me say this first. So rugby music is one area, but rugby media and productions is really the whole of the company. Underneath there, we have different things. Rugby music is really what we do with our music side of things, which is where you really know me. Uh, we also have advertising and marketing where we have you know, Minnesota State Fair is a client. Twin Cities Pride is a client. These are folks that we do advertising. Obviously, music and creativity. We do publishing, which is obviously the same process as like real estate, but just with music. Um, um, we do artist management. Um, we just have general creative solutions. So any, if someone is starting a new business and they want to get themselves at this festival, you know, we get hired to make that happen. You know, it's, it's really, it's a creative sort of consortium. Now rugby music is where it began. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the epicenter of it. But, um, this year, I mean, this will sound crazy, and this may people may be like this, or they may be like "fuck you, man." But this year has probably been the best year for me as a businessman and, and entrepreneur Same. I have ever experienced Same. in my life. Yep. I, and really, and, and I and I and and I I I'm in business with companies that have gone out of business. You know, yeah. I own three music festivals, uh, all two in Wisconsin and one in with First Avenue. And we've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I, I think, I mean, what's been refreshing is humanity is circling back to the basics. 
which is where creatives thrive the most. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, 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 like we're circling back and that's what we do. Honestly, like straight up, like, like I, this past, what is it? January. So like December, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop snacking. <laughs> and like, so I, I was, I, I do pretty good with it. And then I will have a week where I just snack. And then on that Monday, I'm like, oh, I, I don't feel well. My stomach hurts. Da, 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 da. And then I I whip it back in shape. And right. that's what we do. Everyone yep. does. And so, like, that's what's happening now. There's a bigger picture. Screw this, this, that, red, blue, da, da, da. There's a way bigger picture. And if you're a true creative, then you understand that there is a layer in between humanity and spirituality. And that's where creativity is. Yep. And, and we bounce in between spirituality and then we go back to humanity where we don't want to be spiritual. We want to not be. And then we bounce back and another and, and, and along that journey as creatives, our job is to make it, make that easy and understandable. People bounce to and from feeling a certain way all day long. What music or a piece of art or a really funny commercial or a cool TV show or a great movie, whatever. What those things do for the human is it helps them get over that little thing. You know, it's like we're constantly going back and forth in terms of living in purpose, living out of purpose, living in purpose, living out of purpose. Absolutely. Living in purpose is healthy and we feel good. Being out of purpose sucks. And art and creativity is in between that. So the responsibility is deep. 2020, it has just been clear as day how much we need to get back to the basics in terms of what we're creating for people to consume. We no longer, we no longer need to bullshit. Like people now want real stuff. Yep. You know, like I, I remember a, a year ago, I remember sitting with an artist who was very frustrated with me because I was trying to, you know, say we should do this with the music. And, 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 but I, I, I was agreeing with them that we need to be more human with it. We need to, and not human in terms of what you hear, but like in terms of what it does for people. Right. And I said, no, I get it, but that's I can't sell that right now. And I brought that person through the reality. I said, right now I have these corporate partners around. And so give me something I can run over here. We can get some money and get this thing going. And that person was upset with me, that artist. And I remember being like, yeah, next, you know, like we, right. this, is, this is, if you're doing this to eat, then this is what, this is how we eat. And you know, this year, when I listened to that song, I cried my eyes out because it was exactly what this young man was saying to me of yep. put the business hat down for a second, Kyle, dude, and realize that the message here, I don't care if I make two cents on this song, you know, and I guess I don't care if you make two cents on it, Kyle, but this should, this could help people. You have the vehicles to put it out, put it yep. out. Yep. And so my creativity 
as much as I don't have walls, there were some walls I found. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I needed it. I needed it. I was like, man, I needed that. You know, now, you know, there's some, it's just, I'm writing like none other now. Like I'm, I can't, I'm like in writer's rehab. I'm trying to like, I can't even look at my keyboard because if I do, it's like heroin. I'm like, oh, eight hours later, because it's just, you can tell that humanity needs creative solution and not in that, in a business way, but needs it in terms of people that can, that are, are, can, can put butter. You know, life is popcorn. Art and what we do is the butter. Same yep. corn, yep, but a little bit better. Yep. You know, you know, so so, and that's hip hop. Right, hip-hop. you're gonna sit here and deal with this neighborhood, this saltless, disgusting popcorn. Guess what? Put in this Dre track, and it's not that for that three minutes. Right, exactly. You know, it's so huge what it does, and so 2020 for me, I think, business wise, we've we've. You know, if we want to give some listeners some some tab some some pointers, I mean, where we have really advanced and have had success is doing helping products and individuals, artists, everybody, because an artist is a product, you know, quote unquote. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Helping products understand how to do that and do that more and where to go and what to do. We've done, obviously, publishing numbers are up. Um, People are writing more and more and more. So I'm getting hit up times. I'm up 500% in terms of people wanting new songs and new things to write to and just energy. Um, You know, management has been interesting because there's not much. Right. You know, artist has been actually one of the toughest things I think I deal with day to day because... You know, we've got young artists that we were in the middle of so much and then COVID and then nothing. And so, but I would say in terms of where we have been able to do well is it is a time to get better at what you do. Exactly. I've been playing, I don't even want to say, a lot of hours a day. But, but, but it's, it's like, I'm getting, getting, so yeah, 2020 lost a lot, but in loss comes learning. And I have learned so much more about myself and what I'm capable of doing. Like, I, I think I would be in the same place mentally if, if this year didn't happen. Yeah. I, it's interesting that you brought up the whole walls thing because I really went like putting you know walls up but creatively and stuff like that because I really went through something similar this year too um nice entertainment you know operated as a record label basically up until this year and uh I was finding myself because I, I didn't I lost access to IPR where I was operating nice entertainment out of for like six years mm-hmm. and then I also uh you know I wasn't booking shows and, right. you, know, you know, that studio access and shows were like Dice Entertainment's core, essentially, for right. for years. Um, so I was left with, you know, I had a group of, you know, eight to ten people who I, you know, love and respect. But 
Um, even even the process of putting together a cipher track with with those guys, there was a lot of miscommunication and stuff like that. And I was just finding myself stressed out more than anything over something that used to bring me tons of joy and I used you know something I, I loved. And I really I was like, I gotta get back to doing me and I gotta get back to why I love creativity and and why, you know, get that that excitement back. So I called everybody you know, one-on-one and was, you know, I just said, nice entertainment has to go forward as my personal brand again. You know, it started, yep. it started as, as, you know, my idea, my personal brand before I even went to IPR and it's kind of back at square one, but it, it, it kind of like broke down a lot of walls, a lot of mental, you know, walls that I had because my, my whole thing was, Oh, I gotta, I gotta work on this artist thing. Oh, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. And now it really allowed me to, do things like this podcast and, you know, ha- you know, talk to other creatives and stuff and still give that, that sort of, you know, helping other artists out and stuff like that. Um, but it also allowed me to, uh, you know, get back to making beats and even like starting to learn the piano, which I, I don't know, you know, and so yeah. I, I'm starting to kind of teach myself um, to play a little bit and, uh, you know, create sounds and record and all these different things. So it, it definitely was similar for me in that regard, too. You will not come with something new if you have done no growing. Growing yeah. requires self-work. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, I, it's so funny we're in the same spot. I've been working on myself. I mean, obviously, I've been still running a business and da 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 but I've been really working on myself and making myself a better person and, and getting better at stuff like that's, I love hearing that from you, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, it, this, this year is really, uh, open doors in a lot of ways for different, uh, creative, uh, freelance jobs. Um, I've edited people's podcasts. I've done, uh, commercial work for North Hennepin, um, just different people that still need creative services it's really allowed mm-hmm. me time to do that you know a lot more than i i used to so a lot more positives than negatives last year as far as my personal life goes it's kind of healing it's ironic though and i think a lot of people a lot of people can say the same at least a lot of people i know can say the same now obviously i spend a lot of my time with creative people yeah i can't I can say for people who aren't creative yep. or in that lane, I see a lot more stress. Yeah, exactly. So I'm working on a song right now for really exciting project. The uh, It's like a national uh, Indian women's sexual assault coalition. And That's they're amazing. basically a group of powerful women, uh, native women that are working hard to find women that have just disappeared you know there's no investigation when native women disappear uh and so they have this national movement of women and it's getting so i got the call and they're like we need a sound we need a song that's going to bring all of our women together and i'm like that's all i signed like yeah what a responsibility (laughs) you know so like i've had it like i always say this to people too my own kid so like my kids probably can't stand me because they are going to take on this business until, I mean, I'm not handing my business to anybody else until right. they, and if you great, if you don't want to do this, fine, 
be smart enough to still make sure this business continues while doing whatever else you want. Matter of fact, you can use money from this business to do whatever else you'd like to do. <laughs> but this isn't going anywhere. You know, and so they have to have basic stuff. Like you have to have, you have to know piano, you have to know guitar, you have to know when and in in, in in the commitment to being a creative, like um sleeping well, exercise, all mm -hmm. of those things. Like I've had to, like this lady was like, How are you gonna write the song? This is Nicole, she's so great. She's a founder, she's a warrior. This is the woman that is out to find hundreds of thousands of women that have disappeared and every man that has done it and is not, you know, so she has a huge following that's picking up crazy momentum. And she asked me a really basic question. She's like, how are you going to write it? And I was like, you know what? I just have to do everything else right. And it should yep. come. Meaning <laughs> I should, I got to keep up with my exercise. I mm -hmm. got to keep it right. I got to give back. I got to, right. and if, and I got to sit at my piano because I'm not sitting at the piano and it will never come. And so she was like, wow. You know, and that's, I'm, and that's, I'm like, that's what I'm like, that's why it costs so much. No, I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's, that's why, you know, she's not paying me. We brought in a bunch of sponsors to cover it. But I said, this is why people know what a project like this cost because this isn't just about sitting down i say this to artists and creators all the time about valuing themselves it's not just yeah. about sitting down and making this thing in these three minutes right it takes it takes a whole half a year eating right to get that song yep. <laughs> so, so it having energy to stay up at night and be in the studio and absolutely I'm not even, I don't even go to the studio until I have written the song. Then I, the studio, so I have a, you know, it's funny because I have a conflict with producers a lot and sort of like more of what we call, I call computer sessions. And like with, with education, one thing we say to students is like the studio is where you go, you've deserved, you've earned the studio. Right. So we say to kids all the time, like in the class, like, oh, we can't wait to go to your office or go to Oak Park, go to your studio, go to da, da. And we're like, that's after yep. you write the song. Yep, <laughs> I agree. Is, you know, so like, and obviously you know that you've had many people yep. show up, you know, nothing written. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Just fr trying to freestyle their tracks. And no, dude, no, no, bro, no. <laughs> Like people, like artists paying me for two hours of like wasting my time just so they can sit there and try to freestyle their tracks and it goes nowhere. Like, Stop no, I, no. I know, I know. So it's, that's what I mean about, there's still some conduits of what it takes in the discipline. So, you know, I was saying that about this project I'm working on because it's like, you know, for me and what I say to my kids too, because, you know, I say the same thing of like, you have to be ready to receive. Yep. That's it. That's it. I think in being creative, one just has to be ready to receive. I mean, Kanye talks about it as much as I don't like Kanye and some of the things he's done. Right. I, you know, his, his connection to that layer in between humanity and spirituality is undeniable. Oh, he like lives there. He's yep. there all day. Yeah. You know, we get to go there for a couple minutes. Yeah, <laughs> he like has a room. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, so uh, it's nice because it's like 
You have to be ready to receive. No one right. Michael Jackson says this. And Ray Charles says the same thing, and they've said it in different generations. But you don't write songs. Uh, you listen. Yep. And, and the song will write itself. And I I've, always, I've always used that. But 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 some people have taken it too literally. And they just think they can show up and freestyle it. Yep. It's like, no. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not, not how this what, works. That's not what Michael Jackson meant. It's not how we do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got to prepare. You got to practice yeah. you got to write you got to prepare before yeah. you get to the studio yeah. that's yeah it's it's interesting that uh you bring up kanye because I, I it just reminded me of this story that i haven't told yet i really haven't told anybody about this but just the power of kanye and and just like his music in general so when this uh when the whole pandemic stuff started right. uh kanye came out with with that album i want to say it was uh Jesus, uh, what was it? It wasn't Sunday service, but it was the, I, I think it was Jesus something. It was um, a gospel album. It was a gospel album. And, you know, I, I, I liked it. You know, I like all of Kanye's stuff in general. But um, a really powerful moment with Kanye's music that I'll never forget. Uh, so it was, uh, I had picked up my girlfriend from the airport because she had just gone to Mexico. And it was right before things got crazy with the pandemic. And yep. it was when I really realized how crazy things were going to get. Um, I went to the store, like I always do, like after, you know, I leave my girlfriends to get food for work in the morning. And the the line was at nine o'clock at night was just insane. And I was looking around and I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? And like just this eerie, weird feeling just like about humanity and just about everything just came over me. And I was it was just like the weirdest because I hadn't really experienced that. I hadn't seen yet like what the pandemic was going to become. You know, I had just kind of been hearing about it a little bit. But um, then I I get in my car and I was like, that was weird. But I, I put my my phone on shuffle like I always do. And I, I forgot that I had my my the volume turned up. And I don't know if you've heard Kanye's song Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Um, but it's like this powerful epic, like that just started blaring. Like after yeah. I just had this like weird experience, and I'm like yeah. I, and I'm spiritual, I'm not religious too. But like yeah. so that's like that right there, like what like what you said about Kanye reminded me of that story of just like the 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 chills that I got and like still get when I think about that moment. And it, it's, yeah. it's one of those like universe music moments that like, you know, people only like people like Kanye can do, you know, people, people with that sort of, I don't know that that's something. If you look at Kanye's interviews and you people ask him, cause they rarely ask him about real shit. They're always trying to get at the entertainment value. But if you yeah. ask him like, because people like Charlemagne the God probably I think does the best job with Kanye in terms of trying to because when I listen when I see an interview with Kanye I don't want to hear about anything else other than his creative process that's all I yeah. want to hear about <laughs> so like what how are you doing it sir right and, and uh, like a lot of his answers are like you know like what you said like he's like you know like I picture a person, I've heard him say this, I picture a person getting in their car, turning on the car, and then my song just hits them. 
Like I've heard him say stuff. Oh, like he that. said that. I didn't even know that. Wow. So look it up. Look it up. Like if you just, I mean, you you can't like Google Kanye saying that. But right. If you just start looking at a lot of his interviews. Every now and again, a good interviewer will ask him about his production. Like, what happens? Like, what is that moment? Like, what do you do? You turn a computer on first? Like, do you take a piss first? Like, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like, I want to know. And, uh, you know, he just talks about, like, I just, I, I, I know that my music has a purpose. That's what yeah. it is. It has a purpose. And, and that's, you know, no one taught Kanye that. You know, I don't think he 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 didn't have the internet in a way that he can look and Google Quincy Jones teaching. Right. Quincy yep. Jones talks about purpose all the time in music, but you can hear Kanye talk about. It. So it's it's people, and Kanye is one of those that he his biggest battle is just dealing with the pressure and responsibility of what he has been blessed to be. Mm -hmm. That's a hard. If you know Samson in the Bible. I mean, God, this guy had to have long hair to stay strong and all the pressure. And if you cut your hair, you're going to be weak. And like Kanye wrestles with the gods. Yep. Uh, in his in his existing. And that's what comes out of the music. It's brilliant. It's it's some I of agree. the most brilliant stuff. I mean, he samples a lot. So obviously I have my challenges there. But in terms of what his vision he is the ultimate. I mean, this is really fucked up for me to say because I would never say this. Like, in terms of a director, like he just directs those songs. Yep. He, you know, he doesn't instrumentalize all of it. He like Quincy Jones. Well, like, yeah, that's the same thing with Dre too. Dre is the same way. Right. Just yeah. a wonderful maestro. Yep. And and that is ultimately. The most important part of the band. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Okay, you can go all the way back into the beginning of music until now. The maestro is key. No maestro, no tune. Yeah, and, and I don't care how many great musicians you have. And so, like Kanye, just transcends it for me. Um, and but yeah, it's funny you say that story because I'm pretty sure, and you know, I mean, you make songs. You know, I mean, when I'm making a song, I don't. You know, with this song with for the for the Native women's movement, like I asked the lady, I said, "What do you want? Like, what's the biggest thing?" And she said, "I just want these women to know we have not forgotten about them. They may be still alive, they may be dead, they may be in a lake somewhere. They, I want them to know that we haven't forgotten and we're still fighting." And I was yep. just like, ah, "I'm glad I know these notes because that's that's I gotta get you know the first two seconds of the song have to work." And, and, you know, but that, I love it. I love it. It's what, Absolutely. I live to, it's what I live to do. Relationships are hard. You know, I struggle in those areas in my life. I, you know, I'm always tell people like creativity is my wife. Yep. And, and I have lost a lot for it. You know, I fought for creativity just as much as it fought for me. Yep. You know, has certain friends that I can't spend time with anymore because I spend too much time creating and I will not give it up. Yep. And so it uh, comes along with sacrifice. And yep. so like, it's not, it's not all that pretty. Yeah, really isn't. 
the process it's never what the only thing that's pretty is what you make everything else is like at this point in my life i can do without uh yeah but everything else sucks but that end result is so worth it we always worry about the you know all the in between stuff and we always stress about the in between stuff but creatives yeah. you know when it comes down to it we just create like we you know when it yeah. comes down to like actually getting to work we just figure yeah. it out we find a way to make it work you know and that like we we don't yeah you know, it just comes naturally you know it, we 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 don't feel comfortable unless we're creating i tell people all the time like you have to use that as a badge to get into different rooms yeah we creatives in education we yep, need creative absolutely. people in policing. We need creative people in so many areas right now. That's what I mean of like this year for me, I've actually gotten into a bunch of different lanes because people just know you as like, oh, you're creative. So that means you could be helpful in this conversation. Yep. You can be helpful in this way. And so like, you know, I, I'm saying to creatives, there's so many lanes to use that muscle if you can make a beat you can solve a, a social problem Agreed. i promise you yeah <laughs> like i promise yep. you it's, it's the same way of thinking trial and error commitment showing up staying there all night yep. all, all of the stuff it's not nine to five nope you don't solve a problem nine to five yep you know like that's what i mean like creatives our time is coming the exactly. world is sort of preparing itself for us and we just got to be ready to show up and, and provide that idea that sound that whatever in that moment uh to make the thing go around i agree yeah man and I, I uh if there's anything that you ever need help with man you know that i'm always always oh, around. Yeah. always and... man and i think i think just continuing to be a conduit of hip-hop Here's the thing is that the, the forces and the nature that be don't want hip hop to live its true purpose because yep. it destroys powerful systems. Yep. The stronger hip hop gets, the weaker they become. Absolutely. Literally. Literally. <laughs> like, yep. Literally. And so there is incentive for it to be about mistreating women, shooting each other up, and not talking about them. Yep. There's a reason that that's happening now. Oh, I as agree. opposed to like, come on, NBA young boy, you've been in the hood your entire life. Let's not talk about glorifying the hood. Let's talk about why there are hoods. Yep. You know, you haven't, you know, you know, so like it's yeah, that the 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 Dre and all of them knew it. They knew it. You know, oh yeah. They they you look at the old interviews with Ice Cube and those guys, they tell you like this is life or death. Y'all have no idea. Like we're out here 100%. rapping for <laughs> people will try to kill us. Yep. Like, people are trying to kill us because we're we didn't want to do it, but there's a movement beginning. Yep. <laughs> you know, you know, and we're we're at the front of it. And I that stuff was so energetic to me when I was a young man, I can't even explain. It made me feel like Oh, it made me feel like I wasn't a piece of shit. I can't, that's the only way I can explain it. Those guys made me look in the mirror and go, it's fine being that guy. Because mm -hmm. everything else you see in the world is like, oh, that's a, you don't want to be yourself because it's just doom right. everywhere you turn. 
you know, and so that's why they got, they were so powerful is that so many of us, yourself and other just young people were not sure who we were yep. because the system, you know, we were in that in-between. You're yep. in between being grown when your brain starts to solidify and being a child. And the system likes you to be sort of clueless in between that time. And then job, taxes, babies, wife, husband, die. Next, you know, <laughs> then, right. then, they, then they can continue on. Hip hop interrupted that. Oh, totally. It, it just like cut that highway of misinformation. And Absolutely. It's uh so any I mean speaking of whatever keeping hip hop going, that's one thing I've always said to you. I appreciate you may not know it, but the energy you put into keeping that thing alive is so much bigger than you know. I appreciate and, that. Well, every little ounce of gas, you know, I mean, you know, if you're from the hood and you know what it's like to fill up with a buck 46. So, so every penny counts, <laughs> you know, in the fuel tank of our music and, and, and what we know helps people, not just our, but everybody, every penny counts. Um, every little drop you put in matters and, it's collective as it was always. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so like I that's that's just by default. Of course, if things come up, I'll bring you into them. But by default, what you're doing there and what other people are doing, you know, and it's funny because I see more white guys preserving hip hop. And I see more of my own destroying it. It's very interesting. I mean, I'm keeping it 100 with you. Like I was having a conversation with, with a hip hop artist in town. I don't know if I should say his name on here, but maybe Mac Irv, who's great. Oh yeah. He's dope. I, I like Mac Irv a lot. We were talking about many things. We're having a lot of conversations and it's like, I'm like the con people that have like, we got to protect hip hop just as much as a Brandon is. Or, or let's support Brandon because these are the people who protect it and can and can proudly wear it. You know, like you proudly wear hip hop, which is and not just hip hop, but music and right. truth and music that advances and elevates, not garbage. And and that that's you know that's hard. That's hard to do. It's hard to not just be about popular music. It's yeah. hard to, like, that's hard to do. I have to find that balance all the time. And so, I, I mean, I appreciate it. Always have, always will. I know you'll never leave it because you can't. No, I can't. And, it's it's ingrained well, in me, man. Yeah. And I <laughs> so, and I think it I think it comes from knowing that like, you know, hip hop was not created by white people. You know, and, and like, I think it's always been my thing. Like, I need to respect this. I need to know that, like, you know, I I don't know the right words to say, but I don't own this. Like, I'm a guest here. So I need to, I need to, by all means, like, you know, make sure that 
I, you know, I'm not the only voice that's being heard. Like I, I need to, yeah. I need to make sure that like black voices are being heard, that women voices are being heard and, you know, minorities in general, gay, you know, everybody. I got a guy I want you to have on your show. His name is Richard. Absolutely. And he, he's, he's great. And he is, he's pretty much who I talk to about young talent. He's the guy that's got the ear really to the ground. I'm talking about as early as 13, 12. He's the best scout you'd ever know in the Twin Cities. Oh, nice. Uh, you should connect with him because he he's trying right now so hard, so hard to build out facility, space, to just continue to cultivate hip-hop. He just thinks that if we don't create a space like he's like, I want to. So he has a building in St. Paul. He's a part of. They've opened up all these studios. I mean, we need many. We need as many of those as we have Super Americas. Absolutely. Uh, and so, like, he's another person I think would be great for you to chat with and and introduce to your audience, and 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 then him introduce you to his audience because he's with a bunch of artists all the time, and like, they they need to slow down and have these conversations. Yeah. You, you know, the questions you ask about, you know, music and what it means to a person, stuff that we talked about today. I mean, like, right. this is what our young creatives need because, you know, we got it inadvertently. Like, we got it unfacilitated, but, like, they're not getting it unfacilitated. They're not understanding certain things. And so, like, to be able to have and, and ask them and have these questions, I think it could be very powerful. It's like there's this underground. And when George was murdered, so much talent sprouted up all of a sudden. He was mm -hmm. like, came out of nowhere. So it's like, I don't want to miss any of it. And honestly, Brandon, here's what's happening. There is a music movement that I want to instigate. What our young people have experienced in the, across the country, let alone in Minneapolis, which is the yeah. hot, which is the beginning of everything, right? Uh, right. We cannot ever like you talk about Rodney King. That started well. We have we Minneapolis worldwide. worldwide, worldwide. So like our kids here began creating positive, great music about police, about it was like all of a sudden. My inbox of music, people sending me stuff, I'm listening to my song, I mean, it changed. It was like I'm listening to track after track that's bringing tears to my eyes, and I'm like, oh my God, our kids beat us. We're not ready. We don't have enough infrastructure to support the talent that just sprouted up. They beat us to the table. <laughs> They're at the table waiting for those that can provide infrastructure for them to do what they do and we're showing up barely with the shirt tucked in right <laughs> you know yeah so like there's something happening there richard is behind it i want you two to connect um because i'm helping him at a bigger level in terms of making some relationship with the mayor's offices and the government other things that we can get some big players to invest to uh, but He's on the ground with it. I really want you two to connect because he's another one of the folks that there's a few of us left that understand what hip hop is meant for, not yep. what it is today. 
You know Absolutely. what I mean? There's so many who consume it and they're like, oh, da, 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 but they have no idea what it is all about. <laughs> they just don't right. know. And nor do they care and nor should they. So why? Right. It's different generations have different outlooks on it and add different things to it and stuff like that. I am so critical of hip hop music. Like it, yeah. it, that's, that's more hip hop is harder to make than jazz in six, eight times. I disagree. I mean, I, I, I don't, know you do. we come from different worlds when it comes to creativity in that aspect. Yeah. Like I love yeah. sampling. Sampling is my thing because I don't know yeah. how to play, you know? So right. like right. chopping up an right. old record or like chopping up a yeah. sample, you know, but my whole thing is like, it, it always comes down to creativity, you know, yeah. for me. Yeah. And, and yeah. if, you know, yeah. that's like any, any sort of, you know, new artist in hip hop, whatever, like, I care about what they're bringing to the table creatively. And if they're, if they're offering something new, something cool, something different. Let me get you with uh, Rich. And then I loved I, these conversations. I'm open to them. One thing I'm open to in the future is we can get into more specifics. I love to share how I monetize creatively. Yeah, that would be amazing. I think people, that's usually where I like to be most helpful with young folks. It was how I learned. I learned from some older guys that were like, dude, you're stupid. They were like, yeah, I am, but show me the way. You know, right. as soon as they give you a little something, you're like, you take that little thing and I make a whole pot of mac and cheese with yep. it. And, and so in the future, you know, hold me to some of that stuff, particularly in what I think the market is about to become with less live music and, and, and how creatives can still make a living because what will kill us is if we starve right that's the only that's what the system counts on we'll starve them then they can no longer wake people up right. <laughs> you know because that's our job yeah that's your job that's my job like we gotta wake people up sometimes it's a beat whatever it is absolutely up, you know and they don't like that wake up stuff. So so they they'd rather see some of us shrivel up. Yep. And and we can't let it happen. So I'm all about sharing. I don't like to there's a few secrets I'll keep, but most of it I'll share just so I can get more. Yep. Uh, and I can so hold me to some of those conversations in the future and we can get into Definitely. some and give your audience, you know, some hustle. Yeah. If you can make something, if you can make a beat, if you can come up with a, like, it's just a hustle part. Right. It's just the work ethic. Yep. And then knowing where the money is. That would be really helpful. I mean, even for me, I mean, I feel like the, the monetization part of this whole thing, I didn't start really understanding until this, you know, this past year, to be honest. Cause I mean, I was doing nice entertainment forever, but I never, figured out how to really profit from it and monetize it, you know, cause I wasn't charging my artists, you know, like I was, obviously we had deals worked out and stuff like that, but I wasn't charging them to record, uh, you know, right. we were just hoping that like we would essentially blow up and we'd all share profits and stuff like that. And that's not the way it works. And like, <laughs> I had to yeah. really come to like some tough truths when it comes to that stuff. So that would even be helpful for me because I mean, I, I've kind of made my, bread and butter this past year as an audio engineer and stuff like that. And not really yeah. on like the 
um, royalties side of things and um, yeah. the, you know, getting music into commercials and syncing and all that stuff. So I would love to learn more about that stuff. Now is the time because everybody's creating content. You can almost, I'll say this, how about this? I'll give you this little tidbit that I got to get off here. Yeah, sounds good, yeah. The want to be popping on social media for a brand is their number one driver. So you can almost cut a deal just knowing that. Yep. I've been able to critique the product's appearance and say, yeah, you all, with this kind of sound, here's where you can go. They have no clue. As soon as you show them. The other thing that I do, too, is I will make it first. A lot of my competition will go to a client and say, oh, I have a vision for this product for you. And then it's going to cost this amount of money. What they don't know is that client has about 3,000 people asking them to buy a product. Yep. What I do is I'll just make it. So I'll just spend uh, the money making it. So like Twin Cities Pride, for example, that song, we wrote the World Pride Anthem, essentially it became. I just wrote it first. Then I went to the Pride board meeting and played it. And it was done, <laughs> you know, that's, amazing, so yep. that's, it's like, it's almost like you have to stay in creative, be proud of what you make, even if it's a piece of shit. Absolutely. Somebody, somebody will, that's the thing. There is no good and bad art. Yep. It's just art that sells and art that doesn't. Yep. Facts. I've seen the most horrible stuff sell. <laughs> I'm like, Facts. what the hell? Yep. <laughs> I've been into people's homes and they're like, look at this picture on the wall. And I'm like, I could have shit that out. That's yeah. horrible. Cost 200 grand. Right. Allowing yourself to get critique. I mean, okay, so Coors Light. We, I, we own... Uh, it's so refreshing, which is a Coors Light jingle, and I did that with Tone. Yep. You, you met Tone. I'll send you the the thing. We, you, the U.S. market didn't like it. I was like, "Excuse me." I was upset. I was like, "This song is dope as hell." Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I already made it right. And it's done and it's beautiful and it's dope. And so they were like, mm, not, 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 the timing's bad. I mean, it's a cool song, but we can't do anything with it right now. And I'm like, oh, I'm thinking I'm going to get a big deal. And That's crazy. So both Tony and I were bummed. We had both put energy and money into it. And it's like, oh, here's a loss. Then I said, oh, it's all about perspective. Yep. Let's pitch it, let's, let's pitch it to Coors Light UK. Coors Light UK loved it. So they picked it up. Then Coors Light US was like, oh yeah, great. Wow. And and it was it was so funny because it's like that kind of we were both sort of defeated. And we did a video, music bit like a little visual with it. And 
Coors UK loved it, and we had branded it out. Everyone, all everyone in the video was wearing Coors stuff. They were dancing it. I saw like pictures of it, or like maybe like a video of like the making of it, but I didn't hear the actual song and see the final product. In two days, it got up to like sixty, seventy thousand. Once it breaks thirty thousand views, it will show up if you've tagged X company. Mm. It will show up. So we forced the play. Yep, they had no choice. We went to Coors UK, who helped us put it out, create the audience for it. Once the audience was created, we then turned back and was like, look, people are loving it. And they're consuming. They're like, they saw the market marketing being done. They jumped on board. So we forced it. We, we forced them into a position where they had to respond because the public was already loving it. I, yeah. You know, and so like, it's just the hustle. Yeah. Now, we could have. The song is probably not great. I think it is, but I I, I was not going to let my art die. Right. And so 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 that's the thing. Whoever painted that piece of shit picture is probably the best salesman you've ever talked yep. to. <laughs> because they whatever they said to get somebody to spend. This person literally said to me, Brandon, I looked at the photo. I was like, what? They were like, yeah, it was like 200K. Like my grandfather bought and it's passed out. And it's 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 appraised. I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> 200 wow. grand. I couldn't believe it. But somebody made that thing and was not about to go to bed until somebody bought it. Yep. And that's the difference. Usually mm-hmm. is like, I'm so obsessed with the things I make that it's going to go. I'm going to make it go. <laughs> yep. You know, like, like that's, you know, that's the mint. So I'm excited to share that stuff. I'll send you the Coors Light thing. You'll check it out. You might not Sounds like good. it. It's corny. Uh, it's a jingle. I mean, well, a jingles, Coors. yeah. Jingles are always, especially a brand like Coors yeah. Light. It's, it's going to be it's gonna be yeah. something. It's going to be somewhat corny. There's going to be some corn yeah. element to it. <laughs> I, I mean, I respect your talent. I respect, you know, your ideas and stuff. So I, I would love to check it out, I'm sure. And then let's get back on soon, man. And, and more power to your podcast. I'm excited to be on and show some support. Thank you so much for giving me the time, man. I really, really appreciate you joining me for this today. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brandon. Sounds good. Thank you.